Welcome back to Questions for Corbett. I'm your host, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. And this week's question comes in from Anoush, who is wondering about can we recover? Presumably, can we recover from COVID-19? At any rate, he writes, Dear James, I'm a recent subscriber, but longtime fan. Thank you for all you do. Everyone is so used to the media crying wolf that they don't believe it when the wolf actually arrives. At first, I thought this was the event leading up to the event, if you know what I mean. But now I wonder if they're pushing things along since people are waking up. Scientific journals show that relapse after recovery of COVID-19 is common since patients are not building immunity after infection. Do you have any stats about relapse versus no relapse? Seems this virus has been cleverly disguised as flu-like when actually it's much more serious. I worry the lifespan of the epidemic won't be cyclical, like with most viruses, but will stay around permanently, leaving no one in society unharmed. How are you preparing for the future? I would love to hear your thoughts. Thank you for the question, Anoush. And you write in the first part of your question about scientific journals showing that relapse after recovery is common. Perhaps that is true, but if so, I have seen no signs of that, and unfortunately Anoush did not include any links to any such scientific journal articles, so if anyone in the audience knows about such articles that do detail how common relapse after recovery is, I would be very interested to see it. What I have seen is reporting about the scientific discussion that's taking place among respectable mainstream academic circles, which shows that there does there certainly are anecdotal uh, stories of people being readmitted after having been declared cu- cured or recovered, but uh, there is no consensus of any sort on whether or not this is a fundamental uh, trait of the coronavirus, the novel coronavirus, or the COVID-19 disease. So uh, let's just document that with a few sources that can be found in the mainstream. Take it for what it's worth. Uh, for example, UPI just had a report a few days ago, experts unsure if cured COVID-19 patients are reinfected or relapsed. And it notes that although the number of new cases of coronavirus continues to climb, well over half of those diagnosed with the disease have been declared fully recovered, according to data from the WHO. However, reports suggest a new subset of patients affected by the disease, known as COVID-19, may be emerging. A handful of the 60,000 or so people declared cured after treatment, have been readmitted to hospitals days or weeks later because their symptoms have returned. So far, most of these cases of reinfection have been in China, where the outbreak started, and research documenting these cases and confirming that they are, in fact, instances of reinfection remains lacking, experts say. I do not know of any cases at present where I would be definitively convinced that a person had fully recovered from the disease and had been reinfected as opposed to relapsed. William Hanaj, assistant professor of epidemiology at the T.H. Chan School of Public Health at Harvard University, told UPI, a lot of people are concerned about it, but I don't think we have any good evidence for it. The report goes on from there, but we can find another similar report from Science News, again, just posted up just last week. As the coronavirus outbreak evolves, we answer some key questions. Well, thank you for that. And under the, the heading, can people who have had the virus be reinfected, They write, probably not, experts say. 
experts say. While there have been some reports of patients still testing positive for the virus after they have recovered or even getting sick again, it's possible the virus sticks around in the body longer than expected, or people who appear to recover and then show symptoms again may have suffered a relapse of the same infection. These results could also reflect issues with the current diagnostic test, which isn't sensitive enough to always pick up low levels of virus in an infected person. And they quote Angela Rasmussen uh, at Columbia University as saying, I don't think that reinfection is that likely. And let's just follow this up. Another article, this one from the Hindustan Times, can someone get reinfected by, uh, get infected by coronavirus second time? Here's what experts say, and this... <laughs> Rather clunkily written, but uh, informative piece, notes that a report by China Global Television Network, CGTN, said that Chinese health officials are discussing the po possibility of coronavirus relapse in patients who successfully recover. According to the report, China's National Health Commission has said that recovered coronavirus patients can contract the virus again. Lu Qinyuan, director of pneumonia prevention and treatment at the China-Japan Friendship Hospital, has said that although coronavirus antibodies will be generated in certain cases, they cannot last long. There remains a possibility of some patients suffering a relapse even after completely recovering, Qingyuan said. So not all of that seems to be in line. Some of those reactions seem to be quite different. But as I say, I don't know of the, any scientific journal articles or any vast degree of literature that's been published on this at this point. What we have are mostly anecdotal stories from various doctors dealing with information piecemeal. So again, take any of this for what it's worth, but it certainly doesn't seem, at least at this point, that there is cause to panic that this is some sort of killer new disease that will continue reinfecting the public for generations to come. It may be, who knows, but at this point we do not have, I think, adequate data to start panicking about it. And as I've stressed time and time and time again, it is the panic that will ultimately be worse than the pandemic. And that's uh, something that uh, people don't seem to want to hear, but it is nonetheless true. We are being railroaded into an agenda on the back of panic right now, and the best thing we can do is not panic. Now, it's, that's difficult to do when everything that we are hearing is telling us how horrible things are, and to be honest, some of that is quite true. Regardless, as I've pointed out before, for example, in coronavirus, the cures will be worse than disease. Regardless of whether this this virus even exists or doesn't, or whether it's natural or man-made, or whether this is all a 5G thing, or whatever it is or is not, the effects of this are coming in manifesting in reality because of people's panics. The first order of that effect, of course, is the medical martial law lockdowns and quarantines, the entire country of Italy falling under a quarantine in the latest news, incredible developments that would have been unthinkable before this panic started to manifest in the population. And the second order we are already starting to feel the uh, effects of are the economic effects that are coming as a result of this. And those are very real. And that raises the issue which we were just discussing in Propaganda Watch yesterday about hoarding and whether to hoard or not to hoard. I think hoarding, of course, is exactly the wrong way of framing the real fundamental issue here and the one that the would-be social engineers would love to use because hoarding, of course, definitely has negative connotations. Prepping 
strangely enough, has even become, as I've noted before, it has become this tool of denigration. Just like truther, oh, you're one of those crazy people that wants the truth. You're a prepper, oh, you're one of those crazy people who prepare for things. <laughs> Again, as I noted, for example, in Aesop's Fables, remember, we, we looked at the story of the, wild, the fable of the wild boar and the fox, and of course, we could also talk about the ant and the grasshopper. In this case, this is time, time-honored, age-old wisdom to prepare for things. Even though the danger may not be here right now, we should be prepared for various things, which is why I think it is important to prepare and to be prepared uh, for all manner of disruptions, whether real or imaginary, whether based on real or imaginary causes. Uh, they can and do manifest from generation to generation, and we should be prepared for that. And it is the preparation precisely that does not leave us. If you are prepared, you are not in a vulnerable state that is that can then be easily manipulated into panic and into accepting all of the pre-ordained solutions that were already there in place waiting for such an excuse. So you ask me specifically, Anoush, how are you preparing for the future? I would love to hear your thoughts. And that's excellent. I, in fact, addressed this point explicitly at the end of my latest newsletter on the roller coaster ride has begun link in the show notes please go and read through that article in its entirety but towards the end i note that granted there are many things that are out of our control but there are things that are within our control and if we are fearful it is because we are dwelling on that which we cannot change and ignoring the solutions that are right under our nose if you've been listening to what I've been saying for years and are part of community organizations and freedom cells, you are aware you can do guerrilla gardening and support farmers markets and community exchanges, use alternative and complementary and decentralized currencies, and have part of your savings in long-term stores of value, stock up on supplies, and take steps to boost your immune system in natural ways. In short, if you have taken steps to ensure the defense of yourself and your family, you will be significantly less vulnerable and less prone to panicking. And for those who are fearful, I can only ask, what else has to happen before you convert that fear into energy and take the steps that are necessary to move toward self-sufficiency? And let me just highlight here, move toward self-sufficiency is an important way of putting this because of course, no one is going to completely unplug themselves from the matrix and, and be 100% off the grid overnight. That is not how this works. And if that is your goal, then you are going to fail and you're going to give up. The point is, how far can we get towards self-sufficiency? How much can we comfortably move given time frames as they are? And in times of relative peace and stability, maybe that's a much longer viewpoint. Maybe in times of panic, that's a much shorter viewpoint, which is precisely why it's the, the sooner you start taking such steps, the better. And all I just listed a bunch of different ideas right there in that paragraph. Every single one of those is a link to a podcast or a video that I've done that explains that in much greater detail. So there are things that I've been talking about for years that are part of the preparations that are necessary, not necessarily for coronavirus, novel coronavirus and COVID-19, but just in general for disruptions that we know that the social engineers have been baking into the cake and lusting after for a very long time. We know disruptions of various sorts are going to occur, likely in our lifetimes. And are you prepared for them? That's the real question. So there's a lot of 
meat in the on the, that bone uh, that you can dig into. If you want something much more specific and much more simple, again, I'm not saying people should go out and hoard, but I am saying you should be prepared for economic disruption because when people panic, again, regardless of whatever this COVID-19 is or isn't, when people panic, they start buying everything. Suddenly, you can't you can't purchase the things you used to. You suddenly find yourself in a situation where everybody's panicking, so you can't even get toilet paper or whatever the case may be. So you should be prepared and stocked up and ready for an economic disruption uh, at any time. So if you need specific advice for that, uh, I will point you over to Activist Post, which I'm glad to see just posted this timely article, Prepper Foods and Supplies to Survive Coronavirus Without Leaving the House, which is perhaps a bit of an alarmist title. But again, the point here is to simply be prepared for disruptions because they can and do happen. And uh, if you're prepared for them, then again, you're not in a state of panic. And that gives very specific suggestions of what foods are good to prepare to stock up on, uh, medical prepping and prepping toiletries. Again, some very specific suggestions of uh, certain types of supplies that you can have around your house and that will help you to get through times of disruption, which we are already starting to live through. But I, I have a feeling the disruption is about to get much more acute for people in a variety of countries. Um, best of luck to my Italian friends who are starting to feel the real clampdown of the medical martial law police state. We'll see how all of this develops. We'll keep our eye on it. But again, if we are acting from fear and panic and vulnerability, we will be much more susceptible to the real society-changing types of proposals that are already being floated as a result of this panic. This may not be the event, as you were saying there, Anoush. It may be an event leading up to the event, if the event even ever comes. Maybe it's just a, a, a step, step-by-step process that will lead us into it. At any rate, the more prepared we are to prepare and defend ourselves and our families and our community... The less vulnerable we will be, the less likely we will simply stumble into someone else's agenda. It's an extremely important point. There's a lot of links here in the show notes that I'll leave for you to explore this issue. Thank you for the question, Anoush. Looking forward to answering more questions next week. And in the meantime, of course, more content coming through from CorbettReport.com on pretty much a daily basis. I hope you'll be there with me for that. James Corbett, CorbettReport.com.